Hello, and welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy rewatch podcast. I'm Kara Babcock, pronouns she, her. And I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer from the beginning. This is a spoiler-free podcast, and we're currently on season two. Whether you're watching for the first time, or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time, too. During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary on the show. Thanks for listening. Now on to the episode. Season 2, Episode 7. Kara, lie to me. <laughs> lie to me, girl. <laughs> You like this episode, right? I love this episode. This is one of my favorite episodes of the whole series. And I suppose we'll find out why, but do you want to elaborate a little bit more now? I think it's a watershed episode, is how I would phrase it. And I can explain more about what that means after we've gone through the whole recap. Basically, I think once we've been through this episode with Buffy, nothing is ever really the same again. I have never particularly liked this episode. Interesting. I know, and going in and rewatching it now, I do have a lot of thoughts about it, and I'm still a little bit on the edge, so I'm very much looking forward to this conversation with you because I'm I'm hoping that by the end of this episode I'll have a more definite feeling about it. Okay. And I think I will. I can already tell that this is going to be fun. But my first instinct when rewatching this episode was that it's it's just so chatty. Yes. Lots of talking. And something that I also noticed, and one of the reasons why I enjoyed watching this episode again and enjoyed it even more than I remember enjoying it in the past, is that this is a nice, tightly edited episode. Every single scene in this episode moves the story forward in some way. So it is a quite a chatty, dialogue-heavy episode, but the dialogue is really good, mm-hmm. and there isn't really any filler dialogue true yes and i will say what i saw emerge from this episode was the comedic side of angel and the Mm -hmm. comedic writing around his character he's not a particularly funny character but when they get his humor right it lands really well and this is the first time in the show that i'm seeing it happen so it was nice to see that absolutely um Angel's great in this episode. Willow's great in this episode. Willow, yes. Xander yes. isn't in this episode as much as he normally is, which yes, is fantastic. love it. <laughs> so where do we start here, Stephanie? We open on a spooky, empty playground at night. What time at night? Unsure. <laughs> Don't know. Yeah, like creepy playgrounds with creaky, empty playground equipment at night. Some of the, like, creepiest stuff I've ever seen, right? Like, this is straight-up horror scene right here, right down to the kid all by himself. Where are his parents? Like, why is it taking so long for his mom to pick him up? And to add to the spooky nature of the scene, Drusilla comes out looking like a ghost. (laughs) Looking like a Victorian ghost uh, in her long white dress. And she asks him if he's lost. And he's being very polite. You know, this kid obviously has... A little bit of stranger danger, but not enough. She asks if she can walk him home, and she starts singing a song that her mother used to sing to her. And that's when she says, what will your mommy sing when they find your body? 
<laughs> oh my god and the kids just like uh like that i would have ran right then and thank god angel our angel swoops in and scares the boy himself and says run home and the kid takes off angel turns to drusilla and she calls him my angel and she asks him if he remembers the song her mom used to sing to her and he says i remember so we're building this history between the two that was only alluded to before he basically warns her to take spike and leave sunnydale before they all get hurt And Drusilla starts talking about how Angel's gone away. And he implies that he's changed because of the Slayer. She says, your heart stinks of her. Poor little thing. She has no idea what's in store. Ooh. And for some reason, Buffy's walking on a rooftop nearby. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe she crawled up there to get a better, like, view of the graveyard actually that's pretty smart of her she can probably see multiple cemeteries from there (laughs) he's all 12 or 14 or however many there are um anyway she's on the rooftop and she looks out and she sees drusilla and angel talking not knowing who drusilla is and they're very Mm -hmm. close angel says to drusilla this has to end and drusilla says this is only the beginning before walking off and Buffy's looking really concerned at seeing the scene, but we can also maybe assume that she heard that part of the convo. Maybe. Cut to credits. The next morning at school, Jenny and Giles are flirting inappropriately in the hallways (laughs) of school. (laughs) She's like grabbing his tie and they're like being all lovey-dovey. It's really cute. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. Um, Jenny is basically telling Giles that she's going to surprise him with a date night, but she won't tell him what it is. And she says, you're going to have to trust me. And Giles says, I'll put myself in your hands. And she says, that sounds like fun. And I'm not going to lie, Giles gives this like embarrassed smirk when she says that. And that I say like, oh, it's inappropriate because <laughs> any student could have overheard that. But it's also like the first time I ever found Giles really sexy. <laughs> okay. And I know a lot of people online that we've been engaging with, they love Giles. Giles is a staple, right? But a lot of women have said how as they age, Giles gets better and better. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm starting to sway. You're starting to come into your sexual prime Yeah. You could say that, like, am I a little jealous of Jenny and her tie grabbing? A little <laughs> bit. I just think he looked really good there when he when he's like gives this innocent grin. Anyway, you two get a room. I'm just happy that Jenny's back. It's been a few episodes. Yeah, it's nice to see them. And we know this episode is called "Lie to Me." This episode really is all about trust and lies. So here's our first area where we're discovering that because mm-hmm. Giles has to trust Jenny that she's going to come up with a great date night for them. Buffy comes up and says that she did a few sweeps the night before, but nothing vampire-y happened, which is kind of a lie because she did see Angel talking That's to somebody. That's what I thought when I was watching. I'm like, yeah. but, but you saw Angel. Angel is a vampire. <laughs> Just a reminder. He is. <laughs> uh, Giles says he's been researching Spike and hasn't figured out why he's in Sunnydale yet. And Giles points out that Buffy looks pretty glum and he gives her the night off. Which right? is so, so nice. this is this is like what I said a few episodes ago about the Giles pendulum where it keeps swinging back and forth from Giles being very adamant that Buffy needs to take her slayer duties really really seriously 
to Giles being concerned and being a little more lax with Buffy going on patrol and stuff. So the pendulum has swung back to, oh, Buffy, you're doing a great job. Why don't you take a little break? (laughs) It's just, I wouldn't call it like an inconsistency in Giles's character, but Mm -hmm. it is kind of like it changes from episode to episode. Yeah, but I mean, because last episode, they had the night off anyway, because it was Halloween. But this does track from Reptile Boy, which was the last Mm -hmm. conversation him and Buffy had where he said he would ease up a bit. So perhaps this is him following through with that promise. Or maybe he's just super distracted because he's thinking of his (laughs) sexy date times with Jenny that night. (laughs) And I'm distracted because I'm thinking about their sexy date times too. (laughs) So he suggests that she spend the time with Angel. And Buffy gets weirded out um, because she saw the vampire stuff the night before and says um, he probably has other plans. And... Giles approves of her and Angel. The fact that he like suggests that she goes and spends time with Angel, a vampire. And then we never got an indication that Giles has a problem with them getting to know each other, you know, sexually (laughs) at all. But the thing is, is that like, I just feel like Giles would in general have more of a problem with them growing closer. Yeah, I see your point. And that was something that jumped out at me as unexpected. Maybe it's the fact that Angel has maybe proved himself a little bit more over the past few episodes. You know, Mm -hmm. he helped out in school hard and he helped out in the Halloween episode. So maybe Giles is accepting that Angel is a good ally and perhaps even a good influence on Buffy because Angel does take the fight very seriously. Mm. At the end of the day, Giles knows that if Buffy is around Angel, she's safe, right? Because he can definitely take care and, and protect her. I love that. And the other alternative is that he's like, well, if not Angel, then someone like Xander. And then I got to spend all this time with with another young boy who I don't yes. really like. It's just Angel or Xander. And there is no possible way that there could be a third boy <laughs> option for Buffy. Yeah, that's true. Angel actually plays right into Buffy slaying. A a normal teenage boy in Sunnydale just won't do. So in class, Buffy and Willa are exchanging notes about who this mysterious girl with Angel was. After class, Willa and Buffy are in the hall. Buffy's saying she didn't know if the girl was a vampire, but they seemed pretty friendly. And Xander asks who. Willow says, we're talking about Angel and another girl. And Xander says... Hey, it's me. If Angel's doing something wrong, I want to know because it gives me a happy. Oh, my God. So (laughs) gross. I know. Xander, this is the thing is, again, we are not like going out of our way to look for Xander slander moments. But we're not even five minutes into the episode and still Xander's just serving it up to us on a plate. Kara, you and I... Don't want to just rag on Xander all the time. (laughs) No. But like he just continues on. In fact, I would argue if you were to do a a tally, Xander has grown the least out of all these characters so far. He's still Mm -hmm. doing the same old routine. Mm -hmm. So he suggests that they go to the bronze when a good looking dude comes up behind Buffy and they're both super excited to see each other. And Buffy says, Ford, and gives him a big hug. And she asks what he's doing here. And he says he's finishing his senior year at Sunnydale High because his dad transferred. 
So Buffy gives some exposition while they're talking and says they went to school together for seven years and he was her fifth grade crush. And Xander and Willow have been watching nearby. And true to his character, Xander hates Ford immediately because Xander is a trash can. <laughs> and he aggressively says, so you two know each other. And Buffy introduces them. Willow asks if they were sweeties in elementary school. And Buffy says, no, he was too cool. And then she says like a funny little joke. Like I listened to I Touch Myself when I thought about how sad I was that he didn't like me back. Not knowing, of course, what that song was about. Sure, Buffy. Sure. Sure, Buffy. Sure, 10-year-old Buffy. But Xander's aggression just makes me think that, like, Xander, if you were an actual friend to Buffy, you'd realize that two seconds ago, she was really bummed and sad over Angel, and almost too sad to go to this children's nightclub with you on a Wednesday night, which is your normal Wednesday night. But the arrival of this old school friend that she's known from a long time ago instantly makes her really happy and excited. And mm -hmm. perhaps this person being in Sunnydale will make her experience in Sunnydale a little bit friendlier, a little bit nicer than what she's been experiencing lately. So I don't know, Xander, maybe try and be happy for her. And when Buffy invites Ford to go to the bronze, Ford looks at Xander and Willow and says, would I be imposing? And Xander rudely says, only in the literal sense. Like, I just don't understand why he has to be so aggressive and mean, you know? Like, I know it's jealousy. I know it's insecurity, but it annoys me. It is. I agree with your analysis completely. I also think in terms of, like, a plot point, Xander has to distrust Ford because that will make Buffy trust Ford more. <laughs> True. Right? Like, the fact that Xander is being so clearly unreasonable, you know, if he raises any objections about Ford later in the episode... Buffy's just going to write them off as like, you're just jealous, right? So mm -hmm. if Xander were too welcoming of Ford here, then later on in the episode, if he's like, oh, you know, I think Ford's up to no good, Buffy might be more inclined to listen. So I think it is important that at this point in the episode, Xander is being unwelcoming because that sets up that dynamic later on. Okay, good. So Buffy brings Ford to the administration office, and that's when Xander expresses his immediate jealousy to Willow and says, doesn't she know any fat guys? Oh, yeah, this was the other line, like two lines within the space of a few minutes. And I'm just like, wow, like seriously, Xander. But that's the thing, like Xander, do you really want to be Buffy's love interest by default? If she's surrounded by an undesirable guys or men that she's not attracted to, in your opinion, that's mm. the only way that she'll ever notice you? <laughs> is that yeah. really what you want? <sighs> Fortunately, Willow is not listening because I think she checked out of the conversation. She seems to have been mulling over a very important detail from earlier in the conversation because after Xander's little tirade, she bursts out, Oh, that's what that song's about? <laughs> yeah. And I just love you so much, Willow. You're just so pure in this episode. And I want to, like, wrap you up and protect you from the evils that are coming. Because <laughs> I just love it. I just love you so much. She is, like, the punchline queen in this episode. Yes. There's a couple scenes where the last she gets the last word of the scene. And it's always golden. So, like, she comes out really well in the, at the end of this episode. 
At the bronze that night, Ford, Willow, and Xander are all playing pool when Buffy shows up. Buffy does go to get a drink. And by drink, I assume she means soda pop or juice <laughs> because they are 16. When she gets to the bar, Angel's there and he's holding a coffee. <laughs> like he's holding a cup or something. And I'm like, oh, he must have really enjoyed that cappuccino with Cordelia <laughs> on the Halloween episode. He's also wearing a terrible shirt, like truly the worst. So Buffy asks Angel what he did the night before. And Angel lies. <gasps> he lies. We should actually have gotten a bell every time like someone lies in this episode. And says he stayed in and read. And knowing that he's lying, Buffy doesn't call him out, but she does get upset. And she walks back to the pool table. Angel follows her and Buffy introduces him to Ford. That's when Buffy decides to take Ford on a passive aggressive walk outside. <laughs> <laughs> Leave Angel there with Willow and Xander. And... Just like we were saying earlier, we're getting tired of Xander's attitude toward Angel and his jealousy toward other men. We're getting tired of it. I'm also starting to get tired of the passive aggressive moves that Buffy is making with Angel and then his jealousy too. Mm -hmm. Their relationship, I guess, cannot exist unless one of them is being passive aggressive and the other one's being jealous. Well, this is the failing in their relationship, right? Is neither of them is particularly good at communication. Buffy is an inexperienced 16-year-old girl, and Angel is, I guess, a very inexperienced 200-and-something-year-old <laughs> vampire. Yeah. You know, I don't think he's been on many dates in the past few decades, at least. And so neither of them is particularly good at talking about their feelings or talking about their feelings to each other in particular, and I think that's going to cause a lot of tension going forward. It's true. You guys need to work on your communication skills. You need a couples counselor for sure. <laughs> Someone to help you break through those barriers. And then Angel asks about Ford because Xander says that he's new to town and he moves fast. And then Angel disappears and Willow says to Xander, you made him do that thing where he's gone. <laughs> Again, another great one-liner from Willow. So good. So outside the bronze, Ford is asking Buffy if that was her boyfriend. And Buffy avoids this question. Because it is an interesting question. Like, is he Buffy? Mm -hmm. Is he? And they hear clattering down the alleyway. And Buffy knows that some vampire shit is going on. So she tells Ford she forgot her purse. Could he run back and get it? So Ford turns to go back to the bronze and Buffy runs toward the commotion. But Ford turns and follows her down the alleyway instead. And when he rounds the corner, he gets there just in time to see Buffy dust a vamp. And Buffy tries to make an excuse that two cats were fighting. <laughs> Once again, Buffy is very bad at lying. Yeah, for someone who's a chronic liar, like lies all the time, she's usually really bad at it. Like, like just terrible. <laughs> Where Willow's yeah. like a whiz. <laughs> yeah, Buffy needs to take some classes. She needs to have some stories prepared ahead of time. Ford says... Oh, I thought you were just slaying a vampire. <gasps> so Buffy shook and Ford says he knew that she was the slayer. So later that night, Willow's in her room lying on her bed talking on the phone to Buffy. And Buffy is saying that Ford knew because before she got booted from her last school. And Willow asks her if it was a good thing. And she's a little bit reluctant, but she does say it is because... She doesn't have to worry about telling him her dark secret. Mm-hmm. So let's get into this for a moment. First off, of course, as you and I love to point out, 
we love the girl talk, right? Willow, Buffy, on the phone, just chatting about boys. Mm -hmm. We love it in these episodes. Yep. And this is a great little conversation. Like I said, there's not a lot of filler in this episode. And even though this conversation might feel a little bit like filler, it's very important. We've seen that in the past when Buffy has made attempts to date a quote-unquote ordinary guy, a.k.a. Owen, it went disastrously. And actually, when Owen was exposed to vampire stuff, he ended up being way too into it, and Buffy was like, oh, well, now I'm going to have to protect him. And then we see Buffy attracted to Angel, who's a vampire, by the way. (laughs) And that gives Buffy this other opportunity of like, well, you know, Angel knows my life because he's involved in slaying vampires. But obviously, there's also other obstacles to them being in a relationship. So somebody like Ford must be so incredibly tempting to Buffy. She already knows him. She knows that she likes him. They have an easy relationship. You know, they've been separated for how many years? And now suddenly it's like, boom, like we're back together. Like no time has passed. And he already knows that she is the Slayer. And now she has another option. So... This is very important, and it's also very important when you consider what happens with Ford by the end of the episode. Yeah, and Buffy also is pissed at Angel for lying to her face earlier Mm -hmm. this night, so of course Ford feels a little tempting at the moment. Well, and Ford has scored a point by telling Buffy the truth, that he knows she's the Slayer, and not concealing his knowledge of that until it's a more opportune time, right? So yeah. At this point, Ford's looking more honest than Angel. (laughs) Truths and lies, you guys. Speaking of Ford, he's walking down another dark alleyway and walks into an underground club where all these goths (laughs) and people wearing dark clothing or types of costuming are gathered. And Ford speaks to a guy who's calling himself Diego. And he's wearing a shiny cape. <laughs> and this like guy a shiny is... blue cape. <laughs> yeah, it's awful. And um, this guy's really anxious about knowing what's going on. Apparently, a lot of people are counting on Ford and counting on him to organize whatever it is that they're organizing. And we don't know what this is for, but Ford says just to be ready when he says true believers only. A pasty girl, (laughs) I called her a pasty blonde girl in my notes, says that she can't wait and Diego wants to be in on the plan. But Ford says a couple more days and we'll get to do the two things every American teen should have the chance to do. Die young and stay pretty. And in the background, there is a Dracula movie playing on the TV and the camera kind of like pans so that you could see the Dracula movie behind Ford as he lip syncs and quotes the scene from the movie that Dracula is saying. So what the what? I really appreciate that the episode wastes no time confirming that Ford is up to something. You know, I I think they could have dragged the uncertainty out longer and made us guess, you know, is he up to something? Is Ford up to no good? Or are we just being paranoid for no reason like Xander? But the episode instead makes a very smart decision, in my opinion, not to drag things out. And they're just like, by the way, you think you can trust Ford? You can't. Yeah. But Buffy doesn't know yet. (laughs) Well, he doesn't know yet, but it actually suits my (laughs) suits my purpose. It suits 
the viewers watching needs if you were obliged to like Buffy and Angel because the next scene we have Willow's room. Willow is brushing her hair and Angel is at her bedroom window. And it's unclear if Willow's room has a balcony or if she's on the main floor. I'm not quite sure. But she's surprised to see him and uh, she, she invites him in. Because he's a vampire, remember? She's got to invite him in. Mm -hmm. And she does panic briefly when she sees her bra on her bed, which is so cute and something I would totally do if I was her age too. Just like, (laughs) oh, my underwear. And she's not supposed to have boys in her room, she says. It's just so precious, right? It's like endearing. and, And we're also getting a sense from this scene of Willow's home life, right? Like... Later on in the scene, Willow's mom kind of interrupts everything. She's like, Willow, are you still up? And even though we haven't seen Willow's parents yet, we're getting the sense that Willow lives in perhaps like a stricter household. And maybe that's why she's so academically inclined is because her parents perhaps have a lot of expectations for her that maybe Buffy's parents and Sanders' parents don't necessarily put on them. Mm-hmm. So Willow, you know, she, she's she got a, a lot more structure to her life, I think. Well, and perhaps a, more, a much more normal lifestyle for a teenage girl that more of the audience might relate to, right? Like having mm-hmm. a little bit more rules, a little more boundaries when it comes to that kind of stuff. I also want to point out how gentle Angel is with her in the scene. And like, I really like seeing the two of them in a scene together. It's, it's quite cute Mm -hmm. and nice and not that angel has ever ever been really aggressive to any of them so far he's been pretty uh nice and polite but he is extra nice and polite with willow because when she like says she's not supposed to have boys in her room he grins and says i'll behave myself you know what i mean like he's like it's it's nice and he says he needs her help with the net and willow is psyched about this because she says she's totally the net girl And Angel says that he wants to find records on Billy Fordham. And Willow knows what's up right away. And she's like, Angel, if I say something you don't want to hear, do you promise not to bite me? And Angel basically says that he knows she's going to say he's jealous. And he admits that he is. And then he says that he never used to be. And things used to be so simple. 100 years hanging out feeling guilty, honing his brooding skills. <laughs> okay, and I laughed at this at this joke, like literally this meta joke that Angel gave. And this is what I mean mm-hmm. when I said at the beginning of the episode that there's a very special quality to the humor that accompanies Angel's character. And I can't give spoilers here, but in the future, we get a lot more of this type of humor from Angel in other formats yeah i like this because seeing a different side of angel from the fuck boy who shows up and says something's afoot and then disappears before he can be useful (laughs) it's true it's true i mean angel does have a different vibe than the rest because mostly that's what he did for the first season so giving him these jokes or like this like very like self-aware humor i think elevates his presence and it just it just makes him seem smarter and more interesting i like it i think they don't write this type of humor for other characters it's very unique to angel and his development mm-hmm. then he turns his speech to willow into more of a romantic <laughs> with a more romantic flair and says everything changed when he met buffy and yeah he does get jealous now but he knows people and his gut says that this is the wrong guy 
And that's good enough for Willow because she believes in their love. And she immediately starts looking into this guy. And I want to make a point here because Willow does automatically say, Angel, I think you're just being jealous. And like she is Buffy's friend. So this is breaking a boundary to a degree. But yes, and it is. And what I want to track with Willow's character is that Willow loves using her skills and her talents Mm -hmm. for useful things. And I think it makes her feel special. The fact that she calls herself net girl, that she's always the one doing the research. They're always going to her for the research. It's a type of power that she has right now. Like the only real power she has over the other characters Mm -hmm. is her brilliance and her ability to do research. And Willow has shown us multiple times in the past that she's very uncomfortable with breaking the rules especially when it comes to her elders. Like, lying to Giles is hard for her. We find out later in this episode that lying to her friends is hard for her. Yet, whenever the rule-breaking requires her to prove her skill set and her talent, she's usually pretty happy to do so. Yeah, that's a good point. I would add to that, something I noticed about this scene is Willow's standing up to Angel and... She tends to avoid confrontation. She doesn't like to stand up to people. We saw her do it a couple episodes ago Mm -hmm. in Reptile Boy. And I just, I really like seeing that side of Willow, right? So when she questions him, she's like, are you sure you're not just being jealous? I think that takes guts for Willow to do that. Yeah. Yeah, so I think there's a couple aspects of her character that this little scene actually brings out. And we do Mm -hmm. need to track this in Willow as the series progresses. This ability to stand up for herself and her friends, but also this need, this thirst to show off her talents and her abilities. So Willow does notice something about Ford immediately (laughs) and notices that he was never actually registered at Sunnydale High. And that's when Willow's mom calls, as you said earlier, and Willow pushes Angel out onto her balcony or just out the door. And she says she'll keep looking and come back at sunset the next day. And Angel tells Willow not to tell Buffy. And Willow is uncomfortable with the lie. But then she says, okay, I can do it because it's probably nothing. And Angel says that'd be nice. And then Willow closes the door. So again, yeah, like I do think that Angel going behind Buffy's back like this is a no-no. I don't think it's the right thing for him to be doing. But we both know that Willow and Angel are doing it thinking that it's the right thing to do. Yeah, so in general, right, somebody who's attracted to you and they're not in a relationship at this point or not in a an exclusive relationship by any means. You know, if somebody's attracted to you and they're expressing jealousy and they're going behind your back and investigating somebody else that you might be attracted to, I agree. In general, that's a red flag. That's a bad thing. However, I'm inclined to be fairly sympathetic towards Angel here because... Yay! <laughs> I love when <laughs> yeah, you let are. let me defend Angel for a moment. I think <laughs> there are extenuating circumstances in that Buffy is the Slayer and it's not outside the realm of possibility that somebody who has it out for Buffy would send somebody like Ford into her life, right? And and maybe Ford himself is not a bad guy. Maybe he's a patsy. He's just being maneuvered by a bigger force, right? Like at this point, we don't really know what Ford's motivations are. So I think Angel's right to be concerned. It would be different if Buffy were just any ordinary girl 
And then I'd say, dude, you're being jealous. You're being creepy. But Buffy is the chosen one. Mm -hmm. She is special, like it or not. So I think it is justified that Angel is suspicious of anybody new coming into Buffy's life whom she's immediately trusting like this. And like he points out in the scene, and I think he's correct, he has a lot of experience with people in this way. You know, he may not be good at the whole relationship thing, <laughs> but he knows about betrayal. Mm. And so he he does have expertise in this. So I'm inclined to trust his instincts. And maybe he doesn't go about it quite the best way because he's still very awkward. Yeah. But I think his heart is in the right place here. This is not coming out of his jealousy like xander's jealousy right and we see that contrast this is truly his concern for buffy's well-being and so while that may not justify the extent of his behavior going around her back i think it makes it somewhat more defensible well yeah and xander's jealousy is aggressive and annoying and whiny Mm -hmm. angel's jealousy is very gentle here and he's just saying like hey like i admit it i'm jealous but this is more than that because like you're saying buffy's a slayer he he owns it up he he owns up to his jealousy yeah of course he does and like i said earlier learning about ford's shadiness right before this scene helps this development along because you know what Angel's right. We know already as the audience that his instincts are on point. Mm -hmm. So we can forgive this action because we know that actually, Angel, your detective senses are right where they need to be. Good job, Angel. Good job, (laughs) Angel. I love you. (laughs) All right. So it's the next morning already. Time is passing very quickly in this episode. We cover a lot of days in this (laughs) episode here. So they're at school. Uh, Buffy and Ford, you know, are walking together. So they're all buddy-buddy. And they come up on Willow. And Buffy's just, like, talking to her. And she's getting, like, so incredibly uncomfortable, right? Because, of course, this is Willow's character. As you were just pointing out, Steph, she cannot lie to people she cares about. She's okay with lying to Principal Snyder and anybody else who's not important to her. But when it comes to somebody like Buffy... Willow has never lied to Buffy before. So even though this is a fairly tame secret, she's like all jittery and she's incoherent. (laughs) And um, Buffy makes this joke of like, have you been drinking coffee again? Which I (laughs) think is a a funny little joke. Yeah. Uh, Willow's like, yeah, it makes me jumpy. And she's like, I have to go away now. And she just (laughs) excuses herself. And just the awkwardness from Willow is so incredibly cute again in this in this episode like willow is not directly involved in a lot of the action in this episode right but every scene with willow in this episode is just so good it's true and like this scene was necessary just to show that willow lied to buffy's face like right she didn't avoid her all day she did run into her more lies lies of vanelli every time i see another lie i'm just gonna shout lies (laughs) so Giles approaches Buffy and says that he's him and Miss Calendar are going somewhere that night and he's giving Buffy Jenny's beeper for emergency study reasons. 
No, he says her beeper thing because Giles doesn't understand technology and he doesn't trust anything that's, you know, different from a landline phone. Yes, exactly. And Buffy tells him that Fors knows that she's the Slayer and Giles is like, oh, okay, what the fuck? So he pulls Buffy to the side and asks her if she's giving her secret identity to impress cute boys. (laughs) I love how that's the first place Giles goes. He's like, are you doing this for sex, Buffy? Yeah, Buffy. Don't be such a slut. <laughs> like, what the hell? And Buffy says he Buffy says he already knew. Okay. And Giles is like, oh great. Okay, bye. And no questions from Giles. Like Giles isn't like, how well, does he know? So is Giles asking Buffy, did you tell Ford to like be more attractive to him? Is he like projecting? Because <laughs> in the Halloween episode, we learned that Giles has a past where he was far more formidable seeming than he is now in his current guise as a watcher librarian so like was like the ripper like running around wherever he's from in england dusting vampires and then bragging about it to score chicks like, to impress cute boys <laughs> or cute boys yeah exactly yeah i mean yeah that's that's actually a good point to bring up because again like giles has been kind of lying or withholding the truth. More lies. This whole time. Yeah, more lies. <laughs> There's so many lies. This entire episode is built on a sandcastle of lies. It's just a house like of it's cards gonna... that will come tumbling down at any moment. <laughs> this is the thing. Like, I feel like this episode started off. We're like, okay, yeah, we're building, building, building. But now we're in, like, I don't know, the tenth scene or something. And we're like, look at all these lies. Everybody's right? lying. Well, and... He's going on this day with Jenny, and I won't spoil it for anybody, but we will learn some secrets about Jenny's past in coming episodes. There are lies there as well. Lies! <laughs> okay, so okay, okay, sorry. Giles is too distracted by his upcoming sexy times with Jenny to properly <laughs> grill Buffy about Ford's security clearance. <laughs> um, and Buffy takes the win, right? And she's like, go have fun with your date, and I'm going to try not to have a crisis. Buffy, why do you like, why does somebody always say this thing, right? Like, how could it possibly go wrong? You know, it's not nothing bad's gonna happen. They always say something (laughs) like this. So of course, we fast forward because time is passing quickly. It's nighttime again. Uh, So presumably, Willow and Angel are already at her house in cahoots because it's past (laughs) sunset. (laughs) Meanwhile, Buffy and Ford are at the high school because you know she's giving him a tour of sunnydale and like there's not that many places to go right it's cemetery cemetery cemetery. Uh, this is the zoo where hyenas (laughs) once possessed xander cemetery um this is the gallery where my mom works this is the museum where we fought an incan mummy girl cemetery oh it's the high school this is the abandoned science lab like like i feel like that'd be actually a really good tour to be honest oh yeah we should have like one of those like amphibious boats like they have in seattle (laughs) yeah and you'd go you'd be like that was miss french's house where a praying mantis almost molested sander like that'd be an awesome tour oh those were good times good times Um, so they're at the high school and you know they're just minding their own business and then vampires show up like what the hell you'd think this is like sunnydale or something the hell mouth yeah and one of the vampires is really hot like this like barbie 
looking blonde <laughs> bombshell. <laughs> Were you just really horny this whole episode? <laughs> no, I'm just calling it as a season. <laughs> was the hottie quotient particularly high for you in this episode? <laughs> Maybe because there was so much chatter that I was just like... <laughs> It's like, you know, when we watched like episode eight and I was like, man, I don't care about computers. Let's just talk about cults. <laughs> Whereas this episode, I'm like, oh, I got to find the sexiest things about every single scene. But yeah, like one of these vampires is a female vamp with blonde hair and she's hot. And the other one's a guy and Buffy follows them with Ford and she knocks over the female vamp onto the ground before the male vamp like basically grabs her and they fall over the railing out of sight. And Ford takes this opportunity to take a stake and threaten the vampire on the ground. And he tells her, tell me what I want to know and I'll let you go. So Buffy <sighs> easily stakes the vampire on the ground, comes back up, and Ford is saying that he dusted the female vamp. Yeah, he like even throws in a little fake cough. Yeah, like, oh, d d dust. Lies! <laughs> More lies! <laughs> exactly. So Willow, Xander, and Angel are walking toward the Sunset Club, which is where Ford was the night before, and Willow says this is all she could find on the guy. Nothing else incriminating. And Angel says, no paper trail, no records, that's incriminating enough. And Xander says, I'll have to go with the dead boy on this. <laughs> and Angel says, can you stop calling me that? <laughs> like... Again, Angel could literally murder you, Xander, and he's being so nice to you. I don't understand. I do think that it, this is a nice scene, though, because we haven't seen Xander and Angel on the same side. It's like, <laughs> surprise, Xander, your concerns about Ford were actually valid. I, I think even Xander's probably surprised. And your reward, Xander, is you get to work with Angel. <laughs> yeah. So why... Why bring him at all? <laughs> Why did they bring Xander on this trip? Uh, at the door, Angel tells the person manning the door that uh, they're friends of Ford's, and so he, they let them right in. And when they see the place in the crowd, Willow says, boy, we blend right in. And Xander says, in no way do we stick out like sore thumbs. And it's I thought that was funny. I also want to point out this place has really great security right <laughs> just saying you're ford's friend is enough to get you in sure come on in uh willow and xander notice that there is a vampire theme going on here everything's very vampires yay and the blonde girl who says her name is chanterelle calls them out for being newbies and she says it's cool that they're open to what she calls the lonely ones and that's when angel comes up and he's like oh she's talking about vampires and xander's like oh we call them the nasty pointy bitey ones <laughs> which yeah that, like xander has some legitimately good lines in this scene i yeah. think we skipped over uh a little bit before this willow's babbling on about something and yeah. xander's just like you have too many thoughts and <laughs> yeah. he, it's it's said in a loving way right like it's not yeah. rude of him to say that he's just kind of like he knows how to deal with Willow when she's in that state. And I just, it was a nice little cute moment between the two yeah, of them. So yeah. honestly, this is my favorite scene in this episode with Xander. Yeah, that's fair. Chanterelle replies to Xander and says, it's a misconception. Uh, they who walk the night <laughs> are not interested in harming anyone. They are creatures above us, exalted. And oh, God, it's a cult. It's a cult. It's a cult. It's it's nowhere as good cult. as Moloch's cult. Praise Moloch. I like when Chanterelle's talking. If you look at Angel's face, like, once again, this, this episode really 
hones in on the angel's humor, his face is like basically like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, what is this bitch saying? He calls her a fool (laughs) and she gets really like upset and she's like you don't have to be so confrontational about it there are other viewpoints than yours that are valid you know and she walks away and i like what is the word for that is it tone policing like what is the word no it's not quite tone policing i would say it's it's a type of like both sidesism right like chanterelle is acting like an entitled college student who thinks she knows everything about the world and hasn't quite taken the time to think critically about things, right? And, like, it's true that in some circumstances, there are multiple perspectives on an issue. And, yes, our society is very polarized, but I think that some people make the mistake of thinking that just because there are multiple perspectives on many issues, and there's many issues on which people can have reasonable disagreements or differences of opinion— There are issues in our society where there shouldn't be multiple valid perspectives, especially when it comes to, like, deciding who has rights. (laughs) So, you know, I I think Chanterelle is exhibiting a a fairly common type of opinion for somebody to have, which is to think that just because I have an opinion, it must be a valid opinion, right? Like, you can't criticize me for having an opinion. And this is unfortunately a more common point of view these days in the current political climate in the States and in Canada, but it's not a valid point of view. Like not every opinion is equally valid and we do have to be careful about that. And I think this episode does make a good point. Of that. <laughs> well, I think it's funny, like not that she knows that angels a vampire, but she's mm-hmm. vamp splaining vampire life to him that's why he's just oh yeah that's another good point like you said earlier right there's like a meta aspect here yeah yeah for sure so so she walks away and angel's like i've seen this type before they're just children making up friendly stories of vampires to comfort them in the dark and he goes on to say these people don't know anything about vampires what they are how they live how they dress and that is when a guy walks by him wearing exactly the same outfit as angel and i always laugh at that scene because it's just so funny stephanie i am entirely serious when i say that that moment is one of my favorite moments in this entire series. It's so It is one good. of the best sight gags I've ever seen. <laughs> and it, like the way that David Boreanaz delivers the line because yeah. he's so incredibly serious. <laughs> and then it's obvious the way they presented it, but it's just also like, it's just this moment and then it's gone. Yes. And the they timing. didn't have to put that in the episode. It's, <laughs> no. But it's, it's just so rewarding. Like, I would go back and rewatch this episode just for that moment. Oh, it's so fucking funny. And this is the funny thing, too, is like, that's what I mean. Like, that when the humor is done right with Angel's character, it's mm-hmm. spectacular. And that is an example of it. Like, it's so funny. And his face, his face, he's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> it's also really funny that you know angels like they're just making up friendly stories of vampires and yeah. it's like angel this is ironic because you are a friendly vampire you're angel the friendly vampire <laughs> i know oh my god i just i, I actually really like this episode now just remembering that yes like, i've won you over well i mean i just i just feel like as of right now like i said at the beginning like i did really appreciate the humor around angel's character right mm-hmm. now but like 
the the origins of what Angel will become later in the series. Mm-hmm. It's it's here. It's it's all here. It's just gonna get better. Ooh, it's only getting better from here. They go to leave, um, and again, these three love talking very loudly about what's going on like in the halloween episode like they were speaking so loudly that spike could overhear them now they're leaving this bar talking about ford and being like what's he up to and why would a best friends with a slayer be hanging out with a bunch of vampire wannabes and diego Mm. hears them as they leave so buffy did call giles and jenny and they're all entering the library together so she beeped them and she says she's sorry for interrupting their date. And Giles says she absolutely did the right thing. And Jenny asks if he hated it that much, he could have just said something. And Giles lies. And he says, I've always been interested in monster trucks. <laughs> and Jenny thought it would be a nice change of pace for them. And a couple things here. One, monster trucks in Sunnydale. Monster truck rally in Sunnydale. Like, next to the zoo. Like, that could have been its own episode, if anything, you know? It's probably run by vampires or something, right? Like, like country hick vampires, and they're more into monster trucks than killing people. (laughs) What an odd thing to go to. And then, on the other hand, it's like, okay, Jenny did say at the beginning of the episode, Giles, you can trust me. Trust me to have a good night for us. And she didn't deliver! (laughs) So, she broke it. I would also point out, like... Buffy must be serious like she must think this is a serious problem to interrupt Giles on his date because she was so gung-ho about Giles dating Jenny and making sure that he enjoys this new life of his outside (laughs) of the library so I don't think Buffy would have called for any trivial reason she must be serious about this and she shows that because she's like okay like we're here for a reason people we got vamps coming to the school what's going on like Buffy's in charge in this scene. She's like, okay, let's work this problem. And I I like how we see that even when she wants time off and she she's enjoying like the break and the leniency that Giles is giving her, she is still taking her Slayer duties pretty seriously. It's true. Buffy does bring the conversation back to the vampires on campus and they all gather around the library table. And that's when Buffy notices that there's an image of the woman that she saw with Angel two nights before. And Giles says her name is Drusilla, the paramour of Spikes. She was killed by an angry mob in Prague. And Buffy confirms that she's alive. She saw her with Angel. (gasps) So they agree that they need to read up on her. And that's when the blonde vampire from before runs out of Giles' office carrying one of his books. She knocks them over and runs out the stack door in the back. Or possibly she took the old banded cellar <laughs> to get out. Um, Giles is shocked that she took one of his books. And Buffy is shocked that Ford lied to her because he said he killed this bitch. And here she is and they're in cahoots. So dun, dun, dun. lies, more lies. So in the factory... Drew is talking to a dead bird in a cage. She's trying to coax it to sing. Spike approaches her and he says one of his henchmen told him that she went on a hunt the other night and he knows that she talked to Angel and wants to know what they talked about. He's just said it's just off them being friendly because he's the enemy. And do I detect a subtle hint of jealousy coming from Spike Mm. here? Sounds that way. Looks that way smells that way 
Like, it just, mm-hmm. I think he sounds really jealous. And she keeps talking to the bird. She's ignoring him. And he snaps at her and he's like, the bird's dead, Drew. And he's got like a really, sometimes his accent is a little bit off. And here's like, you left the bird in the cage and you didn't feed it. And now it's all dead, just like the last one. And she whimpers and Spike immediately apologizes. And he says he just doesn't like when she goes out because she's weak and he'll get her a new bird. This is when Ford walks in saying, this is so cool. I would totally live here. And Spike is, like, shocked that this human just walks into his lair. <laughs> yeah, he's not impressed by his security measures. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, but he does say, oh, did we finally find a restaurant that delivers? And Ford says, I know who you are. I came looking for you, Spike. And that's when the blonde vampire, the hot one from before, brings a stolen book to Spike and he takes the book. We don't know what it's for. We don't know what this book is, but Spike mm-hmm. says it'll be very useful. So, ooh, think about that. Ford says that he has something to offer Spike. And this is the part where Spike needs to take out his watch and say, you have 30 seconds to convince me not to kill you. It's tradition. And Ford is kind of stupid. <laughs> like, it's not oh. that he's stupid. I think it's that because he's actually, you know, he's put together a pretty good plan here Mm -hmm. he's an immature what 17 year old boy right like his his prefrontal cortex still isn't fully formed here staff all right sorry ford you're not stupid but i think you're being really cringy here (laughs) and spike true to form says i don't go much for tradition and he moves to kill him and drew says wait love and ford says i want to be like you a vampire Spike says something so funny. He's like, I've known you for two minutes and I can't stand you. I can't feature you living forever. (laughs) And Ford says that he'll offer him a trade. You make me a vampire and I'll give you the Slayer. Betrayal. Buffy is in her kitchen when Angel opens the door and asks if he can come in. And he is here in true Angel form to warn her about danger. (laughs) I mean, that is part of his function, but at at least this time he's more useful about it. Yeah, and I just love him. So Angel comes right in, and he says right away that it's about Ford, and he's not what he seems. He lets it all out. He says Willow ran him down on the computer, and we went with Xander. We checked out the address. And Buffy is seriously displeased with this, that they're all in on it behind her back. And she straight up says that this is about who she trusts and who is Drusilla. And she says, don't lie to me. I'm tired of it. And Angel says some lies are necessary. The truth is worse. If you live long enough, you find that out. And Buffy says, and Buffy says she can take the truth. Now, I get why Angel would say that sometimes lies are necessary. You and I talked about this a bit before because We know that he was lying earlier because he does feel like he's doing the right thing in this case. But we can also think of Angel telling these lies because he's also uncomfortable with the truth. Yeah. Especially when it comes to Drusilla. So when Buffy says, I can handle the truth, Angel says, do you love me? Oh my god. I wasn't expecting him to ask I mean, she brought him dinner in a bag. Is it not (laughs) obvious enough? Angel, I've made out with you three times. Like, obviously, I love you. Uh, But no, I wasn't expecting him to bring up this question so soon in the series. I really, truly (laughs) believed this moment happened later. But 
he says it here and Buffy pauses and then she says, I love you. I don't know if I can trust you. Oh, snap. Like the dialogue in this episode, Steph. It's on fire. So fucking good. And Angel says, maybe you shouldn't do either. And Buffy says, maybe I'm the one who should decide. Oh. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So there are so many layers. Like, this is a really great scene between the two of them, in my opinion. It really is. It And, you know, once we get into Drusilla's backstory, right? Like, this is just such an uncomfortable scene because it's so emotionally real and raw and we've had moments like this before on the show including between Buffy and Angel but never for this sustained amount of time mm-hmm. you know this is a callback to Angel from season one right where we learn a lot of Angel's backstory and things get very tense between him and Buffy it's a very similar situation here but she has had a year to kind of mature she's died you know she's come back like Mm -hmm. she's a different person from the person she was in the angel episode so it's interesting how she responds differently in this in this conversation that she's having yeah and like this whole idea of the episode being about truth and lies so buffy called angel out on his lie and now he asks her a question and she tells the truth. Like she, like before this, she could barely ask him out for coffee without feeling awkward and needing to lie about what the date was. But here we have Buffy coming out and admitting she loves him. And we've already had inklings that Buffy loved him, but now she's actually voicing those feelings out loud for the first time. And she's mm-hmm. also standing up for herself and her right to choose who she loves and how she feels. Because so often we see the men in her life, like Giles and Angel, and he tries to, but Xander, um, try to dictate what she should do and who she should like and what she should do with her free time and stuff. So here she is saying, I'm the one who decides. And the truth is, I love you. And it's so good. And by asking Buffy this question, Angel is sussing out his trust of her because he's about to tell her something enormous about his past he's about to tell her something that could potentially change their relationship and the way she feels about him so asking for the truth do you love me is him solidifying something in himself i think if i trust her that she can take the information i'm about to tell her because Mm -hmm. she loves me i think it's interesting that you're looking at it from that point of view stephanie because like i don't disagree with you but i'm not sure i would have thought about it in that way I think if you respect somebody and they ask you a question and demand that level of honesty from you, I don't think it's your position, your responsibility to make the call of whether or not they can handle that. I agree with you that there's an element of trust there, but I also think it's like, you know, Angel has to make a choice here. Does he tell Buffy the truth or does he walk away from this relationship? I don't think that he can continue to be in whatever you want to call this relationship with Buffy if he decides to lie to her at this point or push this aside. Buffy has asked him for his honesty, and even if he thinks she can't handle it, mm-hmm. I think he owes that to her. Yeah, yeah. but I And that that's like this balance of trust between the two of them at the moment because Angel is really protecting himself. He lied about Drusilla because he thinks the truth is too much for Buffy to handle, maybe. But really, it's he's protecting himself from having to reveal this part about himself. That can be very... Yeah, that can hurt. And especially when you're ashamed of it. So yeah. what is his shameful truth, Steph? Oh, 
Okay, here we go. Drusilla's backstory. And you know, like, Kara and I love ourselves a good vampire backstory. <laughs> They're always so Once good. Once upon a time. Once upon a time, Angel was an unconscionable vampire who did terrible things. And Drusilla was the worst. Angel says that she was an obsession of his. She was pure, sweet, chaste. First, he made her insane. Killed everybody she loved visited every mental torture on her that he could devise she fled to a convent and on the day of her holy orders he turned her into a vampire damn damn angel that's some dark ass shit <laughs> like what the hell and this is so like we were saying earlier angel's so gentle with willow angel has never been aggressive toward anyone on this show angel is an angel he is and he's been this way on purpose because he just gave us the culmination of his evil we mm -hmm. see it walking around sunnydale we see it talking to dead birds drusilla is the culmination of the worst things mm -hmm. that Angel did when he was a vampire without a soul. Mm -hmm. And Buffy is rightly disturbed by hearing this information. And she says, well, I asked for the truth. Mm -hmm. And this is true. You know, ultimately, the truth does, I think, beat out the lie. But can we really blame Angel for trying to protect her and himself from the truth? Because this is really dark material like this is this yeah. is horrible murderous monstrous stuff that he did when he was a demon a full demon it's crazy so no wonder he's been wandering the world for a hundred years feeling guilty like oh my god <laughs> so knowing a little bit more about this background for angel is just like it just adds to the levity of what it means to be Angel. Well, and I also think it's a nice subversion of the bad boy trope, right? Because Angel physically embodies the tall, dark, and handsome guy with the, you know, short, dark hair and the leather coat, and he's the bad boy that all the chicks fall for. We've talked about that. Mm -hmm. But most of those bad boys who are teenage girls' desires are not really bad boys, right? They're just playing at the bad boy figure maybe they got a motorcycle and bad attitude but you know deep down inside their moms call them edmund and it's all good <laughs> um so like when we look at angel and we see him with this brooding bad boy exterior you might be tempted as we have in earlier episodes to just call him out as a fuck boy and just like you know mock his attitude but buffy has basically asked him now like so angel like what's your bad boy story and he's just like I tortured a girl and made her mad. And then I made her a vampire. And it's like, okay, okay, Angel, you, you have earned your bad boy crap. Damn. Like, like you said. Yeah. It's, your brooding is justified. <laughs> this is my biggest pet peeve when people criticize angels. If they say that he's a boring, broody dude, you know what I mean? Like if they, all they say is that he's just boring, yeah. like there's nothing going on. I was like, boring he is single-handedly <laughs> the reason we have the other vampires on the show <laughs> and just because we don't get to see that side of angel for at the moment thank god because it sounds like he's terrifying and i yeah. much would rather have this pouty distant communication devoid man mm -hmm. anyway so, this is a beautiful scene this is a beautiful scene it is a beautiful scene so we finish off with Angel finally getting to the point of his visit. 
and telling Buffy his information, which actually isn't that much. Like, it almost, like, this is anticlimactic, right? Because we've just had this huge emotional moment. And then he's like, oh, and by the way, uh, you can't trust Ford. He's involved in some kind of vampire cult. Yeah. No idea really what's going on. So I still have no actual useful information for you. Yeah. Don't trust Ford. Peace out. Yeah. Truth bomb. Goodbye. (laughs) And the camera does, um, the scene does end with the camera shot outside the room of the two of them, Angel standing, Buffy sitting at the table. And I just thought it was a really beautiful way to end that scene. Like, it just shows the two of them Mm -hmm. in, like, a little pantomime after he drops a terrible truth on her. Uh, The next day at school, Buffy and Ford uh, meet outside, and they both know the stakes. And this is another interesting scene where the camera kind of, like, circles around the two of them. Yeah, I noticed that, too. I called it a dance with with the truth, like, dancing with the truth, because, like, it just keeps spinning around them as they both lie to each other's faces, right? More lies. More lies! So Ford says he wants to surprise her, meet her, meet him there at nine. Willow and Xander are sitting on the stairs as Buffy walks by, and she says that Angel told her everything. And Willow says that, like, is apologetic, and she says he was just really concerned for her, and she didn't want us to say anything in case we were wrong. And Xander asks if she found out what Ford was up to, and Buffy says, I will, and walks away, Frost Queen. And Xander, that's when Xander says to Willow, Angel was in your bedroom? Because that is, of course, what he focuses in on, right? Is anything Angel related? Not that Buffy is pissed at you. And let's not forget last episode, Xander, you were pissed at Buffy and she had to like crawl on her knees and ask for forgiveness. Whereas here, you're just like, Angel was in your bedroom, Willow? And Willow's like, ours is a forbidden love. (laughs) Yes. Once again, a fantastic line. She just delivers it with such a straight face, like deadpan. (laughs) And I stan you, Willow. I'm like, during this rewatch, I'm just full on Willow stan now. Um, And and I forgot to mention this earlier, but I'm really identifying with Willow in this episode because with that earlier gag where she's like, oh, that's what that song means. That was me in (laughs) high school staff is I was the innocent baby of the group because i didn't date because i didn't really go to like parties or anything you know i really like identified with willow in that particular moment and then as we go through the episode right she's the smart researchy girl i was the net girl Mm -hmm. right i was the one with the computer staying up all night on the internet chatting with people and learning things so willow is my gal even more so with this rewatch and like i think this episode is really bringing that out yeah, she's one of those characters right now where not only is she sympathetic, but you want her to succeed. You want her to win. Well, because she's, like we were talking about in the last episode, she's an example of how you can be a strong female character without being a strong female character. Yeah, right? yeah. And that's always what I related to most about Willow is the fact that she she's just very unique and herself. Like, she doesn't try to be what you'd think someone would have to be to fit in and be popular. She's very mm-hmm. much her own person and i always love that about her at the sunset club that night diego is saying everything is ready chanterelle says she's nervous but she's ready for the change and diego does tell ford that his friends showed up the night before and he seems perturbed at first but then he's like it's gonna be fine and that's when buffy says no it's really not and she is at the sunset club and she's on the balcony looking down and that's when ford tells diego that it's kind of drafty in here 
who leaves. And Buffy comes down the stairs and basically calls Ford a lying scumbag. And Ford says, everybody lies. <laughs> lies. That's true. And Buffy wants to know what's going on. And she's like, I don't need to understand. I just need to know. Ford says he's going to be a vampire. Buffy says vampires are picky about who they change. That's when she realizes that there was an offer and a trade and that he was going to give them her. And she says, you had to know that I'd figure it out. And that's when Ford starts laughing and he says, I was counting on it. Then he starts going manic and he's just like, like, I played this in my head that this is the part where you're asked, like, what's supposed to happen? Well, guess what? It's already happening. That's when Diego closes the door, this big ass steel door uh, to the club. And Buffy goes to try to open it. And Ford says that it's rigged so that it only opens from the outside. And when the sun sets, they'll come. And Buffy's trying to find another way out, but Ford is saying basically that they're in a bomb shelter. It's like three feet of solid concrete. And Chanterelle and Diego are like, why are you stepping on our vibe? Like, this is what we want. It's their, it's our chance for immortality. It's a beautiful day. Like, this is the, what their cult is all about, right? And Buffy says that Spike and his friends are going to be coming in and picking out on an all-you-can-eat moron bar. <laughs> and... She starts yelling at Diego, basically being like, you're all going to die and your only hope of surviving is to get out of this pit. And my God, could you be wearing a dorkier outfit? <laughs> Just a little Buffy quip in there about fashion. I like it. I didn't want to pass it over because like, even amidst this panic that she's feeling, mm -hmm. she's like, oh my God, you look like a dork. And <laughs> Ford's pager goes off sunset 627 and i just want to add here that that does not align with what we learned on halloween when he, they had the kids trick-or-treating four to six and it was dark outside Ooh. so spike and his gang are getting their shit together spike is saying the first priority is the slayer but everyone else is fair game and let's remember to share people <laughs> like like organizing this big outing for them and Drusilla has decided to come because she wants a treat and Spike agrees to this. Uh-oh. Well, and then he's like, he pulls keys out of his jacket and he's like, Lucius, pull the car around, right? <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Again, like, I just love the way that this show establishes Spike's aesthetic. He's a punk rock vampire, you know? And he, like you said, he's organized. He's got plans. But he also loves chaos. But he also rides around in cars. Yeah. You know, and blasts heavy music and rides into signs and stuff like spike is very punk rock and it's just all those little touches that the show gives us to establish his character is so good yeah i love it so ford and buffy are having a talk and um buffy calls in the bad guy and says the other people are just fodder and ford agrees and he admits he's like i'm not gonna lie about it yeah like i'm the only one here that's gonna be turned and Buffy lets him know that when you die, a demon sets up shop in your old house and it walks and it talks and it remembers your life, but it's not you and these people don't deserve to die. And Ford then says, neither do I. Ooh, and that's when he drops this bomb that he has brain tumors. Like Morgan. Like, just like Morgan. And, and he has six months left to live and it's going to be an awful six months. So... As far as he's concerned, he's already dead, and this is his one shot of survival. 
Buffy is sad for him, but she does say what you're doing is very wrong. And he calls the people down there sheep. He says they're just lonely and miserable and bored. I don't have a choice. And this is when Buffy says something super important. <laughs> and she says, you don't have a good choice, but you have a choice. And this is an iconic Buffy quote, in my opinion, because making the right choice Sometimes the only choice that you can make is the hardest choice that you can make. Mm -hmm. And this is a huge theme that will follow Buffy throughout the rest of the series. She's going to have to grapple with this idea of choice from now on. See, did, did I not say that this was a Watershed episode <laughs> yeah! that establishes is that so many important things about this series? Yes, I agree <laughs> with you. This quote is so important and... The dynamic here between Buffy and Ford is very important. The writers are trying to give Ford a sympathetic reason for his turn towards the dark side. And I don't know about you, Steph. I don't sympathize with Ford at all here. I, I think Buffy's right when she says, again, like, you do have a choice here. You don't, you're not justified in killing a bunch of people because you want to attempt to survive or cheat death like yeah it sucks that you're dying but that's what humans do and this goes back to what we were talking about earlier in the episode where ford insists that spike be like oh you know you only have 30 seconds to live or when ford's confronting buffy right and you said he's very manic and he's like oh this is so cool this is exactly how i imagined it that was a great word that you chose to describe his behavior, by the way, manic, because I agree, like, this is what he has had to do to justify to himself his plan here, is he has had to cast himself in his head as a villain. He's had to embrace being a stereotypical bad guy in order to basically convince himself that this is what he should do to survive, right? He's like, I know that what I'm doing is wrong, but I have no other choice. Therefore, I must become evil, right? Mm -hmm. And that's very fascinating to me. I don't think it's justified at all, but I think it's very fascinating. Yeah, it, it's been consistent in this season, particularly with all of these villains of the week. Like think about Daryl from Some, Ooh, Some yeah. Assembly Required. Think about Ampata mm -hmm. from Inca Mummy Girl. And now Ford. All of these characters could easily be seen as villains and victims. Nice. But the only thing that's separating them from being victims and heroes like Buffy, because Buffy is also a victim to her destiny, is choice. Buffy chose mm -hmm. to let herself die to save the world in Prophecy Girl. These other three villains, Ford, Ampata, and Daryl, well, may maybe not so much Daryl, but, but after he died and came back, they're choosing to be the villain. They're choosing themselves oh. over human life. And that's, that's the difference. That's an excellent way of making connections to those earlier episodes. That's so good. You know what? Okay, here I am again, like coming around to this episode now that we've talked it through. Like, it's just like, this is a really important scene. Okay, so so basically, um, they hear a car approaching at the end of this conversation. And Buffy asks Ford one last time, stop this. And he doesn't do it. So that was his chance to make a choice right? To make the right choice. And instead, when Buffy goes to tell everybody like, hey, people, this is not the mothership, he instead pushes Buffy down the stairs. So he made the selfish choice. And 
if I were Buffy, what I would have shouted right after I found out was, hey, everybody, Ford made a deal and he's going to live and you're all going to die. So help me find a way out of here. Like, that's what I would have done. But anyway, Buffy is at the bottom of the stairs and Spike comes aggressively barging in. Vamp face is on. Chanterelle approaches him. But then when he growls, you can tell she's actually very frightened because he's a mm-hmm. demon Chanterelle. <laughs> Like, at least the other cults, the the people worshipping the demon knew they were a demon, you know? So Spike says, take them all, save the Slayer for me, and then bites Chanterelle on the neck. And then the other vamps all spread out and run down and immediately start attacking everybody. And it's quite scary, like, watching, like, a mob Mm -hmm. get attacked like this. It's, it's, It's really frightening. And Buffy easily takes out Ford and knocks him unconscious. And then she she takes in the scene. And then she notices that Drusilla is standing by herself on the balcony. And Buffy essentially flies up to her. Because sometimes Buffy can fly. Well, it's like it's like parkour, but slayer-assisted parkour. <laughs> yeah, yeah, where she like floats to the top. It's really cool. I like when she does it, but she only does it once mm-hmm. in a while. I do it all the time. Uh <sighs> She grabs Drew from behind and puts a stake to her heart and and yells, Spike! And Spike notices what's happening and says, everybody stop. And this really does show how Drusilla must be in some sort of weakened state because she didn't even put up a fight. Yeah, she was like just standing there. She was very useless. Spike shouldn't have brought her along. He should have. He's realizing that now. You said this the first time we met Spike and Drusilla that uh, letting Drusilla wander in behind him was very vulnerable of him because like she's really unprotected if he's not around. And none of the other vampires figured that out but Buffy, you know, in like 1.5 seconds was like I know how to deal with this situation. (laughs) Parkour. Because Buffy's fucking awesome. Parkour, parkour. And uh, Buffy says, let everyone out or your girlfriend fits in an ashtray, which is so good. And of course, Spike says, let them go. And all the humans, all the the lonely one believers run out through the door. And Buffy says, go down the stairs. And Spike does so. And that's when she shoves Drusilla onto him, runs out the door and slams it behind her. And of course, that's when Spike realizes there's no doorknob. <laughs> so Well, he's like, where's the doorknob? And it's just, it, it cuts the tension in the scene, right? Yeah. So outside, Angel, Willow, and Xander are just approaching while the other survivors are heading out. And Buffy uh, still seems kind of cool towards them all. I mean, I, I understand why she's still cool toward Angel, because Angel just revealed <laughs> that he's a psychopath. Yeah. I, I think it's... I think it's more that she's just in shock, right? Like, she's just had a very traumatic experience. I don't think she's in the mood to talk to anybody. That's true. She's just like, oh, you guys. She says, they're stuck in there, but they'll get out eventually. So we should go. But we can come back later when they're gone. And Xander says, come back for what? And Buffy says, for the body. Oh, shit. Oh, it's so dark. And, like, she turns and she gives this look, like, for the body. Well, she left him to die. She could have rescued him, mm-hmm. right? Like, she had all the power in that situation. She could have been like, you know, pick up Ford and toss him out the door. Yeah. And she didn't. Buffy chose to leave Ford behind. Maybe she thought this was more merciful, right? Because, mm-hmm. like, he didn't have long to live anyway. But still, this was Buffy making a choice. And again, this is one of the reasons why I think this episode is so important. And I will talk a little bit more about that once we get to the end. Yeah. But 
here we are. Yeah, I want to hold on to that idea as well. So Ford is waking up inside the club and he says, what happened? And Spike says, we're stuck in the basement. Ford realizes that Buffy got away and he says, well, I delivered. I handed her to you. What about my reward? And Spike and Drew, like, it's such a creepy stare. They're looking at him like, are you fucking serious, right? But, like, it pans away from them. And then the next morning, we assume Buffy is walking in through the broken door into the club. And we see Ford's body at the bottom of the stairs. So Buffy is at the cemetery with Giles laying flowers at Ford's grave. Why he was buried in Sunnydale, I really don't know. But she says, it'd be simpler if I could just hate him. I think he wanted me to. I think it made it easier for him to be the villain of the piece. But really, he was just scared. And then she goes on to say that nothing's simple anymore. She's constantly trying to find, to work out who to love and hate and who to trust. Giles says it's called growing up. And she asks if it ever gets easy. And here's where I need your clarification. A vampire jumps out and Buffy slays it in like two seconds. No big deal. Was that Ford? Yes. That's the whole point of this episode, Steph, is she has to stake Ford in this moment. I did not realize that was Ford ever until yesterday. It's the culmination of the whole moment. How is that Ford? Why would Spike... Well, they're at Ford's grave. Why would Spike keep his promise? Like, my whole idea of that scene was that Spike was pissed and just killed him. No, 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 no. Here's the thing, Steph. Spike is evil. This is the third time now that Buffy has bested him. He knows that Ford knows Buffy and Ford has this special relationship with Buffy. What better way to get back at Buffy than turning Ford into a vampire so that she has to kill him? This is his little petty revenge. Oh my god, I never knew that was Ford. I thought it just happened to be a vampire that like just happened to be there. Yeah, I mean, if you miss like the shot of the the gravestone or whatever, like I totally see how you wouldn't make that connection. And so for any of our listeners who maybe didn't make the connection, I'm glad that you, you know, brought that up. But this is pivotal to the whole episode, right? Like this is Buffy once again having to kill somebody who was very close to her and she's never had to do that before because like we said earlier she sacrificed herself in prophecy girl she was willing to do that something you discover if you're a hero like buffy is that it's very easy to be willing to sacrifice yourself it's not so easy to sacrifice other people and buffy really hasn't had to deal with that so far You know, the only person we've seen kind of die that they've been close to is Jesse. And Buffy was never really close to Jesse. No, good. You know, we haven't seen anybody close to Buffy like this die. And it's so much worse that she is in some ways responsible for it. Like, yes, Ford made his choices. You know, ultimately Ford is responsible for what happened. But that doesn't make it any easier on Buffy. And that's why she says, does it ever get easier, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. The, it, And she's referring to having to make these choices as a slayer, you know, to save more lives. She had to sacrifice her friend. Wow. Okay, so I this is what I like about 
this rewatch is because I did not know that was Ford. I thought this whole time yeah. that that was just someone random. And because I truly believe that Spike wouldn't give Ford what he wanted, he literally probably wouldn't even drink from me, just slap his neck because he's pissed. And he didn't want Ford to get what he wanted. But adding this other layer into it that, that you know what, I will change you, Ford, because it's actually not about you. It's about my revenge on Buffy. So yeah. it, I do like it better. It's just, it's shocking when you didn't know that was him the whole time. Mm -hmm. Wow. Sure. Okay. Uh, just to finish off the scene, uh, this is actually a very beautiful conversation between Giles and Buffy. Giles, again, says, does it ever get easier? You mean life? Well, what do you want me to say? Buffy says, lie to me lies and giles says yeah it's terribly simple good guys are always stalwart and true the bad guys are easily distinguished by their pointy horns and black hats we always defeat them and save the day no one ever dies and everyone lives happily ever after and then as the credits roll you hear buffy say liar <laughs> and that's the end of that episode it's so perfect yeah it's one of my favorite quotes for the whole series it's such good writing Everybody lied in this episode to some degree, except yep. for Buffy. And Giles is usually the most upfront with her at all times. You know, like, I know what you're going to be facing. Like, this is a terrible thing. Like, you know, he's very truthful with her usually. So really, Buffy trusts Giles the most, in my opinion, at this point. And she says, lie mm -hmm. to me. I trust you to lie to me because you're the one that gives me the truth. Well, because sometimes you want the convenient lie, right? Like, mm -hmm. that's why we watch these movies yeah. and these TV shows, especially the ones with superheroes and stuff. We want to know there are forces more powerful than us who can protect us and fight for good. And so like, this is why to me, like that, what an ending, what an episode. And this is why I call this a watershed episode because it divides everything that came before in this series from everything that's going to come from this point on. The show is signaling to us that it will get darker and darker. You know, this is the first time that Buffy has lost somebody she's truly close to. Uh, and, and really, you know, it was his own doing, right? Mm -hmm. and, and she's also learned more details of Angel's awful past. So this is an episode of moral gray areas because she's now in love with somebody who's very morally gray. She just discovered that one of her childhood friends was very morally gray you know, and as you pointed out, Steph, this episode is all about people lying and Buffy not knowing who to trust. And we've had elements of that before, but it was always wrapped up by the end of the episode and everything was fine again. At the end of this episode, everything is very much not fine. So I think there's a second layer to why this episode is very important. And that comes from Giles's speech where he says, the bad guys are easily distinguished by their pointy horns and black hats. We always defeat them and save the day. No one ever dies. Everyone lives happily ever after. I think Joss Whedon is very intentionally talking about the TV industry and how he's trying to remind us that Buffy, despite all appearances, is not a campy teen horror drama. In children's TV shows and even in a lot of teen shows from the 90s, the bad guys don't win, right? Mm -hmm. They threaten you for the episode, but the good guys always triumph and people don't die because we don't want to see that in kids' TV. But in this episode, even though Buffy did outmaneuver Spike and that was very clever of her, I wouldn't say that she won. 
at best, I would say it was a draw, right? Because Spike got his revenge by vamping Ford, and, and she she lost so much in this episode. So this episode is establishing that in the Buffyverse, the good guys do not always triumph absolutely. They may beat back the evil temporarily for another day, but it often comes at a high cost. And obviously, like, the whole theme of truth and lies and who she can trust, like, the only way she's going to get through this life, this very violent and dark life that she's entering, is by trusting the people around her. And this episode shows how shaky that can be. And Giles says, like, yeah, like, in in the fantasy world, you can always know who to trust. And you always know who not to trust. But in the real world... It's a lot harder than that. Willow might be lying to you. (laughs) Okay. Who's your hero, Steph? This is hard because, like I said, this episode was very hard for me to wrap my mind around. So I did say Angel because I would say Angel. Uh, Without him, we wouldn't have even been on to Ford. He would have probably carried out his whole plan probably easier and faster. But more importantly, I think him sharing that part of himself with Buffy was pretty brave and was a big step for both of them in terms of admitting what their comfort level is and what their boundaries are in terms of trust with each other. But obviously, Buffy is the hero of this episode. Now that we've talked it through, I was like her speech about, you know, you have a choice. It's not an easy choice, but it's a choice, you know, like you have that. Yeah, it's hard to have that well-developed of a moral compass when you're 16 years old. (laughs) Yeah, so so she's obviously the hero. I can see it. How about you? So, I mean, I'm actually going to say my hero is uh, a team effort of Angel and Willow because, you know, they figured out Ford together. Wangel. I think they make a great, like, sleuthing team. I want to see more of this dynamic. Yeah. If you really pushed me, I'd say, like, Willow was my fave in this episode, even though, like, she's not directly involved in the resolution. But as I, I gushed throughout this episode, like... She's just awesome. Like, she's just great in this episode. And sometimes (laughs) the hero of the episode is just somebody who comes off really well, right? But I I think, like you said, Angel also acquits himself really well. It's that vulnerability. It's that recognition that he does have flaws, both past and present. Mm -hmm. So that's why Angel and Willow together are my heroes. Calling his actions in the past flaws is really funny to me. Yeah, I agree with you. And you know what? Okay, so Buffy... In season two, these episodes are consistently getting better and better and yep. better. And that's not to say that when she was bad and some of the acquired weren't good episodes, because we keep saying in comparison to season one, which was very uneven in terms of good and bad mm-hmm. episodes, these episodes, this, the last chunk, the reptile boy into Halloween, into this one, it's just getting better. The scripts are getting tighter. Characters are getting funnier and more fleshed out except for Xander. And it's just like, it's just, the show is getting so much better. And I I get why people are excited for us to get to those later seasons of season two, for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's a shame that season three sucks. Uh, yeah, it's a shame the rest of the series is garbage. Uh, <laughs> I'm just joking, listener. Season three is fine. <laughs> no, season three is fucking amazing. Let's get to our hot stakes, because we do have two. Excellent. Our first hot stake is from Catherine. She listened to Inca Mummy Girl and she says, At the end of the episode, when Buffy says that she had Xander to bring her back, I don't think this is a love thing or meant to be romantic. I think that she says this to reinforce that she is a slayer who has friends that help her. 
as you girls have been saying during your recaps of season two, a Slayer having friendships appears to be very unique to Buffy. And this may be the key to her success and survival as a Slayer down the road. I mean, she's already outlived the prophecy where she was destined to die because of her friends. So her lifespan has already clearly benefited from choosing to keep people like Giles, Willow, and Xander in her life. How many Slayers in the past were able to thwart death in this particular way? So, mm -hmm. great point, Catherine. Um, she's referring to at the end of Inca Mummy Girl when Buffy and Xander were having that chat, and you and I yeah. were kind of wondering what this chat represented. I think Catherine's totally right and valid in saying that this is definitely just establishing that Buffy has friends that help her make the right decisions and the choices that we're talking about in this episode, but also very much have helped her live <laughs> like basically um she's the reason she's alive now is because of these relationships that she's formed absolutely so let's keep an eye on that as the series goes on all right and our second hot stake is from christine who says i want to add that while i agree with you about the rampant cultural appropriation this is from inca mummy girl as well I found it confusing that you let Xander's white trash comment to Buffy slip. His comment is classist AF. In the capitalist hellscape we live in, the 1% need a poor working class to live off of. And then those same workers are mocked for not having money when that is how the system was designed to do. Let's also not forget that a lot of that working class or working poor are um, by POC, which means black, indigenous, people of color, and white trash is considered an insult because the implication is only by POC people are poor, uh, which is just not the case. So if a white person is poor, it makes them trash. Equating whiteness with money, morality, cleanliness is racist, classist, and so much more. Also, why let Cordy off for her treatment of her exchange student? I get the Xander slander. I never liked him. But why are you letting her off so easy? Are you maybe letting her pretty privilege soften your view of her? You mentioned it with Xander, so I feel you should have also mentioned it with Cordy. Thank you for your comments, Christine. Uh, so th there's kind of two points to address in this hot stake. To your first point, I think that's totally valid to point out that we missed out calling out white trash as a slur. Uh, so thank you for pointing that out. You know, I think it was last episode in Reptile Boy where we shared uh, something we had missed earlier, but like voodoo and stuff. So I love it when listeners point out opportunities for critical analysis that you or I missed, right? Because we're not going to catch everything. So I appreciate that. And in addition to the education that you provided, Christine, I, I did look up a little bit more after you sent us your comment. And I found a pretty good article from NPR uh, called Why Is It Still Okay to Trash Poor White People? So you can look that up. I'll put a link to that in the show notes for anybody who's a little bit more interested in the nature of white trash as a slur. On the second point, so I don't know about you, Steph, I noticed what Christine was saying about Cordy's behavior, but I deliberately didn't call it out because I think the show already does call it out for us. And that's the distinction here is when it comes to Cordy and her exchange student, there isn't a racial power dynamic there because they're both white. And at the end, when the show reveals that Sven can speak perfect English, 
the show is mocking Cordelia's ignorance. You know, it's calling her to account. Whereas the show doesn't challenge any of the American exceptionalism and jingoism that Xander is spouting at any point. So that's why I didn't bring it up, right? Is It's not that I think Cordelia's behavior is excusable, but I think the show handles it very well and shows us that it knows that Cordelia is doing something wrong. Whereas the show doesn't do that for Xander, and that's why I wanted to talk about and critically analyze Xander's behavior. Thank you, Catherine. Thanks, Christine, for your hot steaks, and keep them coming, people. We love them. Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. We invite you to join in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels. Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook, and Prophecy underscore Girls on Twitter. You can also reach out to our email at prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com or visit our website, prophecygirls.ca. See you next week. Bye.